We're going to continue on with our series on prayer and intercession today. Today we're going to talk about praying with power and purpose. We're going to talk about James 5.13 through 18 and the importance of us receiving prayer from one another and what happens when we pray together for one another. We're going to start with verse 13. If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. And if anyone is cheerful, let him sing praises or sing psalms. And so what I love so much about the start of this is that there are always people around us that are suffering. And some of you here today may be suffering. Some of you watching online may be suffering today. And so it's important that we are encouraging one another to pray on your own. Here's why. It's so easy to always run to someone else to tell them your problems and your hardship and especially to complain. But God can handle your complaints. God can handle your hardship. And God has something better to say to you first. A lot of times, if you run quickly to somebody else with your issues and your struggles, you won't get the right answer, and for sure you won't get the level of peace that you need to have. And so this understanding of let him pray isn't like, I'm going to allow you to pray. It's the premise of, I'm encouraging you to pray. I'm challenging you to seek the face of the Lord personally. We live in an age where it's so easy to jump onto YouTube and to hear somebody else's podcast. I can even get onto the International House of Prayer and listen to night and day prayer and worship and come into agreement with that prayer. But there's something different when you pray personally and privately. Now, the challenge is that many people don't know how to pray. They don't understand what happens with your prayers when you pray. They don't understand how God feels about you when you pray. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions in the context of prayer, and there's a lot to say about that. But the most important thing is that you understand that the Bible is directly saying to us, when you're suffering and you're going through a hardship, run to the Lord first. Run to Jesus first, because he brings peace and comfort and strength. And one word from heaven, one word in a season of suffering can change your life. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to quit, I've wanted to give up, I felt like I was so out of place, I felt like the Lord was far away, I felt no fire, I felt no passion, but I still cried out to the Lord in my distress and in my struggle, and when the Lord heard and spoke, and I heard one word from him, the Bible says that, that a word fitly spoken in the right time and in the right season is like apples of gold in settings of silver which means his word brings royalty, his word brings kingship, his word brings comfort, his word brings life, his word strengthens you in your most difficult season. Now, it's easy to run to somebody else, and God does have prophets, and God does have pastors, and God does have leaders that have the word of the Lord for you at times. And there's times that you just really don't know what God's saying or what to do. And that doesn't discount the fact that we don't need each other. But the very simple premise of this scripture is, if you're suffering, you need to learn to pray, all right? You need to learn to talk to the Lord, commune with the Lord, pour your complaint out to the Lord, and let God bring life and comfort to your life. So we have to encourage and teach others to pray. You know, for me as a pastor, I don't preach formulistic five-point sermons. What I really want to do is teach you the heart of the Lord and how to commune and hear from the Lord for yourself. I would be a great pastor if I can get everyone to hear directly from the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit in everything that they do in accordance to God's word. And that's my heart. 
My heart is that you would hear from the Lord directly and it would line up with his word and you do whatever it is that he tells you to do. So we have to teach one another how to pray. So I want to recommend a few books to you today. Of course, the Bible. But I'm going to recommend a few books that I think you all should get. So you may want to write this down or you can come back and listen to this message. I want to recommend a book by John Paul Jackson called The Art of Praying the Scriptures. The Art of Praying the Scriptures by John Paul Jackson. One of my favorite devotionals that my wife and I read is called Face to Face. And this book, Praying the Scriptures for Intimate Worship, Face to Face, Praying the Scriptures for Intimate Worship, I highly, highly recommend. The author is Boa. I don't remember his first name, but last name's Boa, B-O-A. I highly recommend you get this book. All these are available on Amazon or probably Mardell. Praying the Scriptures for Intimate Worship. And then also I want to recommend a book called Praying the Bible, the Book of Prayers by Wesley Campbell. Now, these books are going to be tools to help lead you into prayer times of praying God's Word back to Him. All right? So we're going to practice that this morning, and I'm going to tell you how I do it because I tend to suffer a lot. I, I, anybody that's going to seek the face of the Lord is going to suffer persecution, hardship, adversity. The enemy's going to work on overtime to destroy your life. Don't think that you're going to move forward with God and that the enemy's not going to come against you. So one of the best things to do when you pray, especially when you don't know what to say or how to pray, is to pray God's word back to him. And there's a lot of, of great scriptures to pray back to God. And I just pulled out a few of them some scriptures that I would pray, and I'm going to pray these over. You can pray together with me here in a minute. But if I was suffering, I often pray Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, I'm healed. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray that as if I was really going through a difficult hardship, and I have a lot of hardships going on, but I wouldn't say that I'm overly suffering right now. But for those of you that are, I'm going to pray this over you so you can model how I would pray this scripture. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you were wounded for my transgressions. I make it personal. I make it, I put my name in. I put me, my, my name. I'm praying this over myself. Thank you, Jesus, that you were wounded for me. Thank you so much, Lord, that you were bruised for my iniquities and that the chastisement of my peace was upon you, and that now, because of that, Lord, I can have peace. I thank you that by the stripes that you took on your back, you brought healing to my life. Thank you, Lord, that through your blood, you bring healing to my life. You bring comfort to my life. Thank you for your death on the cross, Lord, and how you stood in my place, and that you took the chastisement of my peace so that I could have peace. And Lord, I pray for peace in the midst of great suffering, and I thank you so much, Lord, that you're the Prince of Peace. And so I come to you, the source of all peace. And I thank you, Jesus, that you can bring that peace into my heart and my life. I thank you so much, Lord, that in my hardship and adversity, you're always there. And that by your stripes, I am healed. And again, in 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So, Lord, I thank you so much that you took my sin. I thank you that you hung on a dead tree to reverse the curse of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I thank you so much, Lord God, that uh, 
anything that's lacking in my life, anything that's lacking in my flesh, I thank you so much, Lord, that through your affliction on the cross, that, Lord, you can fill up my body with life and power and healing, even if I'm being afflicted. I thank you that as I bear my own cross, Lord, in the midst of suffering and hardship and pain, that, Lord, you bring healing and life, you bring freedom. I thank you so much, Lord, that by your stripes and your blood, I'm healed. Colossians 1.24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh in what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So Lord, in the midst of my hardship, this is key, I'm gonna rejoice. So I understand what the word's telling me to do. Now, if you go back to that scripture, verse 13, it says, if anybody's sick among you, let him pray. If anybody is happy or rejoicing, let him sing songs. Let me give you a piece of advice. Sing no matter what. Rejoice no matter what. I have learned in pain and hardship and suffering, I lift my hands and cry out to God. I say, I thank you, Lord, that you are God no matter what. If I had a pneumonia in the hospital, uh, just ask Peggy. She's here. She was my nurse. I had worship music going on night and day. I was sitting there, could have been dying. My white blood cells were through the roof. I'm in the hospital for three days, and I'm praying and worshiping God in a hospital bed in the hospital room. When my mom passed away, I rejoiced that she was healed with God, and we celebrated her life through a, a celebration of life here at this church. We wore bright colors, and we rejoiced in her life and what she had. Yes, we cried. When my daughter passed away, in the hospital, you know the story, when we had to deliver her, when she was dead in my wife's body, she had to be in, um, induced. We were in the hospital for like 17 hours. When we got into that room, we opened up the windows, we let sunlight in, we brought our little Bluetooth player and we played the Torwaltz Champion album on repeat for 17 hours while we worshiped. When Kayla Harden came in uh, to be our nurse and to help deliver the baby, she prayed in tongues the entire time as we worship. And you know what God did? He carried us through it. See, the problem is, is we don't understand this context of worshiping and rejoicing and suffering. You know why it says if anybody's sick, we should encourage you to pray? Because oftentimes when you're sick, you don't pray. Oftentimes when you're hurting or you're in pain or you're suffering, we don't pray. And mo more often than not, when things are really good, we rejoice and sing, right? But what if you rejoiced and sang and prayed no matter what in the highs and the lows? What if we stopped being roller coasters emotionally and we sought the face of God all the time? You know, I get it. So many of you are hurting and struggling. I understand. And I understand that this church is a little bit different for a lot of people. But I would never, ever, ever come in here and scoff at God and sit down and worship, ever. And I love you. Don't, don't get upset at me. You know why I'm telling you that? Because I've suffered more pain and hardship and lifted my hands in the midst of it and sang when I didn't want to sing and worshiped when I didn't want to worship, and when my flesh is screaming out and the enemy's lying, telling me it doesn't take all that, I said, it takes all that. We have warped perceptions of who God is. The only way you could sit down and not worship is because you don't really understand who he is. You don't understand how he's forgiven you, how he's loved you, how he's cared for you. You got this old school mindset, and you don't, many of you don't even go to church, but you still have a warped perception of who God is. And I'm telling you, he's awesome. He's good all the time. He's always faithful. He's glad that you showed up. But when you show up, show out. It's like, man, I'm gonna worship God no matter what my flesh or anyone else says and no matter what I did last night or what my past is. None of that dictates my worship.
And so I want to tell you guys, the Bible says that you can pray because God loves you and he wants to talk with you and he wants to reason with you and he wants to come into agreement with you. And you should worship no matter what, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. The lifting of our hands is a sacrifice. David did it seven times a day, seven times a day. The early church used to stop and pray three times a day like clockwork. The Muslims pray more than most Christians pray. And I'm telling you, talk to God, you talk to Jesus just like I'm talking to you right now. You talk to him as a friend. It doesn't have to be all agenda. You don't have, he doesn't want your false religious piety. He wants you just as you are. He takes you just as you are. Cry out. Come desperate. God, mercy. Lord, I need your mercy, God. I'm crying out for mercy, Lord, in the midst of my pain and suffering and hardship. And I get it. Some of you haven't suffered a whole lot of hardship, but mark my words, live long enough and trouble will come knocking on your door. And what you learn to do is no matter what that trouble is, you stay the course and you cry out to God always and all the time in desperation. And see, I know God's good and I know what happens to my prayers. I know where they go. My, my prayers are sealed in an envelope with an address. They shoot straight up to the throne room of God and they're caught in his bowl like incense. And then Jesus, with the intercession that Jesus brings, it brings this incense before the Lord and then God throws some fire in it and then he sends it back down to earth. I'll teach you that next year. I'll teach you that next year. You have to understand, see, this, this understanding of confidence, but many of you don't have confidence yet, but you'll never have confidence until you start. At some point, you got to start really talking to God and understanding what his word has to say. And so, these, so I'm pulling out a few scriptures and just teaching you by example of things that I would do. So I grab on to Colossians 1.24 and said, Lord, I don't feel like rejoicing right now. Everything's pretty, pretty crappy. Some of you might be facing jail time. Some of you may not know how you're going to pay your next paycheck. You might have a spouse that's spinning out. Your flesh may feel like crap. You feel sick. You don't have motivation. You're tired all the time. You haven't been doing anything that you should be doing. Everything could be coming against you. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, whatever the persecution, hardship, and suffering, whether you put yourself in it or someone else put you into it, learn to rejoice in the midst of it because God is good. I rejoice in my suffering for you. And I fill up my flesh with what's lacking. So there's something lacking in my flesh that needs to be filled up. And what is it? The afflictions that Christ went through produced supernatural life in him. He literally learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And so if there's anything lacking in my life, I want it out. I had a dream last night. It shook me. It felt so real. It was like a nightmare. It really was. But it was God's word directly to my life, speaking about something in my life he wanted to remove that I wasn't even aware of. And it was terrifying. And this thing's not anything that's that big of a deal. It's not like something that, you know, you'd go, oh my gosh, I can't believe. But to God, it's a big deal. And because I didn't think it was a big deal, God shook me in a dream. And it was terrifying. And I woke up saying, thank God that wasn't real. I'll do whatever you say. Because obedience is key. And so if there's anything lacking in your life, if there's anything that needs to be dealt with, God has this way of dealing with it. And you need to let him do it. You need to let him do it because it produces incredible life in you. <clears throat> Philippians 
that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that I'm being conformed to your death. I thank you so much, Lord, that I can know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. Lord, even when it hurts, God, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you lead us and guide us. I thank you that you comfort us. I thank you that we have fellowship in the midst of suffering. And I thank you so much, Lord, that we can know you in the power of your resurrection in the midst of it and that you're using it for your good to conform us to your death. So it's very important you learn how to pray God's word back to him. I recommend that you get those books and that you learn the word so that you have the language to pray back to God. You gotta learn the word so you have the language to pray back to God. God doesn't want you spiritually mute. Let's go back to James 5.14. Is anyone, I like how these are questions. Is anyone among you sick? The answer is yes. There's a lot of people here that are sick. This is way more like a hospital. People should be able to come here and find healing, find comfort, find life. And so we never scoff at that. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be pretentious. Come as you are because there's elders here and there's leaders here and there's people that want to pray for you. But I love this says, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So not only should we be crying out to God directly, but we also need each other. God doesn't want you to go it alone. God doesn't want you to go it alone. We need each other. I can't tell you how much prayer from other people has sustained me in my sickness and my hardship and my suffering and my most difficult times. God doesn't want you to go it alone. Yes, we have to learn to go to God first, but we also have to run to his family and to other people that will lift you up in your most difficult times. He doesn't want you isolated. I like how this says, let him call for the elders of the church. Well, here's the good news is you don't actually have to call. We call for them for you through altar calls. We will actually have people up here, leaders and prayer partners, people that we know and that we're in relationship with, that we've trained and equipped, and the elders and the team leaders that can lay hands on you and pray for you. And there's a reason why it says to call for the elders, because elders are seasoned wise ones. These are people that have endured a lot of hardship and difficulty and are full of compassion. They know the word and they can pray over you. What does it mean to be prayed over? You know, to be prayed over means that you have to let somebody invade your space. God is a space invader. I've often said that I want to call our prayer partner team the space invaders and then play the space invader music, Galaga, on the screen. It'd be so fun. All right, we will. And so what does it mean to call for the elders? What does it mean to have the elders pray for you? It means that you need somebody that's ahead of you and above you and further along that can pull you up and cover you in prayer. We need spiritual mothers and fathers in this house. We need lots of them to pray over one another, right? And so biblically, we're commanded that, hey, if you're sick and you're struggling, don't just go it alone. You know, and sickness doesn't just mean physical, it could be mental illness. Some of you are battling massive depression and shame. Some of you have burned so many bridges down from your past, you're, you're just living in, in mass amounts of guilt. So you need somebody that comes to you to pray over you and says, the Lord loves you, he's with you, he cares about you and speaks directly to the situation. So you call for them here, 
or we call for them here. And also next year, we're going to be starting a prayer. Not only will we have a prayer room, but we're going to have inner healing and deliverance teams. We're going to have healing rooms and that can bring deliverance and healing to your own life where you can sign up weekly and let somebody come and soak you in prayer for 15, 20 minutes at a time. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'll tell you what, some of you don't know that, how good that is because you've never had it. But when you sit in a chair and you have 10 people surround you and lay hands on you and the fire of God comes and things start getting healed and delivered and freedom and you start repenting and confessing in a group of people, it's powerful. And I, I know some of you say, I'll never do that. Well, then you'll never get the benefit of what comes with that. I'm telling you by experience, guys, the Lord doesn't let me get out of it. If you're gonna live for Christ, he's gonna call you into uncomfortable things. Until now it's comfortable for me. Something's really, really powerful when I touch people. God's into us connecting. God's into us allowing our space to be invaded yeah. and allowing people to get close to you and into your life. And so if you love to pray and you love to soak people in prayer, then you're gonna wanna be in the leadership of these healing and deliverance rooms. And if you know you need it, then you're gonna wanna sign up when they happen. But until then, what I highly encourage you to do is go on our Rock City Tribe page and post your prayer request or go to our website, post your prayer request. And also every time there's an altar call, every single time I'd come up for prayer. You know, there's many times I just come up for prayer because I know I need it. I'm never too good to have somebody pray for me. I, don't, I'm, I need to humble myself and let people lay hands on me. I love it when people pray for me. I just absolutely love it. So you need to allow others to pray for you. Laying on of hands is an, is an important doctrine. Now, the Bible says to not lay hands on people suddenly, which means you better really pray and have discernment before you lay hands on someone. But in the context of family and healing and comfort and one anothering, we pray and we lay hands. Our prayer partners are instructed to lay hands on one another. And that's not a weird thing. Laying hands is, could be, is just a simple touch of shoulder. And sometimes I'll put my hand on your head and I pray the life and the fire of God right into you. You know, we're like trees and our hands are, are leaves that have healing for the nations. It's very possible that you don't receive the healing until somebody prays for you. <clears throat> God just does that sometimes. And I don't know why. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's corporate. Sometimes if it's a pride thing inside of you, he says, yeah, that's not going to happen until you let somebody lay hands on you and you receive prayer from someone. It's not a formula. It's just God does what he does best and he doesn't want you to be alone and he doesn't want you to be isolated. And I realize sometimes it takes courage to come up and let somebody pray for you. But what you don't have to worry is nobody's going to push you. Nobody's going to force you. Nobody's going to push hell down your throat. You don't have to be afraid. This is a family. And we are going through it together and we need each other. And if we don't pray for one another, we're never going to go where God wants us to go. Where you're never going to see what God wants to see in this house. Now, why would it say, let them anoint with oil? Well, there's two things. First off, it's anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. So we're building a house for his name, right? There's something powerful. It's not just, of course, we say in the name of Jesus, I anoint you. I pray over you in the name of Jesus, but it's this realization of the power of his name. So when I say his name, I'm saying be delivered. When I say his name, I'm saying be saved. When I say his name, I'm saying be rescued. When I say his name, I'm inviting him into the conversation and into the situation. When I speak his name, there's power in his name. So when I anoint you with oil, and some of you are like, I don't understand the oil thing. Well, <clears throat> 
The oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. It's the oil of his spirit. So it's a physical demonstration of a spiritual manifestation. It's not a weird thing. It's the power. It's God has always used oil to anoint people. And in the context of anointing, there's oil used to anoint people for healing. And so when we grab oil, they, the prayer partners have a little, and I keep oil around all the time. I got a jug up there. I got a jug in my, uh, not a jug, but a, like a big bottle. I like jugs of oil too. Here's the thing. You have to understand that the foolish things of God is of the wisest of men. The minute you try to wrap your mind around these spiritual supernatural truths, your intellect, he will confound your intellect all day long. So that you're going to start scoffing at the supernatural things of God and you'll miss the beautiful wondrous things of God, like praying in tongues. That's another thing. It's like, if anybody's suffering, let him pray. One of the best things I do when I'm suffering, actually, I just do it all the time, is I pray in tongues. And man, it just goes from like zero to a hundred in a few minutes. Like today, I'm driving here, finish up my message, spend a little time in my office with the Lord. I'm listening to IHOP, Mike Bickle comes on, he starts praying, I start weeping, I start singing, God says, get up on the highway and drive back and forth to the island. And I won't tell you how fast I drove, but I will tell you, it was, I'm crying, I'm weeping, because there was a moment that I didn't want to miss for my agenda. And I'm singing and I'm praying in the spirit. You know, the best thing I have to offer you really is what Jesus has done for me and what he's doing in me. So I pray and I sing in the spirit a lot. I intercede and I cry out a lot. Desperate, broken. I don't think that I'm anything. In fact, I think I'm really just nothing compared to him. And I'm crying out, mercy, God. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you, God. Have mercy. Pour out your spirit on the worship team. Pour out your spirit on this church. Show up and power God. Praying for my wife, praying for my kids, praying for you. And so I learned to commune and pray. Pray in tongues. Your kids should pray in tongues. Pray in tongues in front of your kids all the time. It's not weird. It may feel weird at first, but my, it's so normal with my kids that they don't even think twice about it anymore. My kid's like, it's just normal. She, I'm shikaraba. We're driving. And they're like not even thinking twice about it because they've got used to it. Now it's normal for them. They need to see their dad cry out. They need to see their dad be passionate about the things of God. That's what makes a real man. A broken man makes a real man. A man that cries out to God and knows how to pray and declare the word back to, declaring the word back, that's another thing. Remember what I've been teaching you about the power of agreement. When you pray God's word back to him, you're coming to agreement with his word. Now you're praying his will in agreement. I think every one of you should be in Bible. This is why the home groups is going to be so important because these home groups are going to be based on these messages so then you can further talk about them. You can ask questions about them, things I said you didn't understand, things that need to be developed a little bit more, discussion times, prayer, and it's going to open up the caverns in these groups. These aren't going to be nice little comfy eat crackers and cheese and grapes group. And you might eat crackers, cheese, and grapes. And some of y'all can bake me really good cookies. Frankie, Susan, I'm not mentioning names, but some of you make really great cookies. But the, the point is, is that we've got to take it to the communities. We've got to take it to more intimate relationship and discussion and allowing God to come in 
on top of it. And so it's very, very important that we come to people in his name, praying in his name, not being afraid to use things like anointing oil. It's not weird. I keep anointing oil. There's anointing oil in my car. I'm the, the chapter president of the tribe of Judah, and Pastor Ben Priest says everyone in their vest should be carrying an anointing oil at any time when they pray for somebody. Get a little vial of anointing. Go to Mardell and buy your, go on, get us some anointing oil. And don't pay too much money and don't buy holy water. <laughs> Whatever you do. It's a ripoff. There's no such thing. Don't get offended at me, please. So we need to come to those who are stronger than you spiritually and that have more faith than you in times of sickness. Look at verse 15. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So our faith can save and heal others. Healing and salvation go hand in hand. And so, some, so we need to be around people that have more faith than us. Sometimes your faith is small, but God can work in small faith. But I'm telling you, when I'm down and struggling and difficult, I, I come to other people and say, pray for me. I need you in my life. And so that's the powerful thing about this is that the prayer of the faith will save the sick. So what does that mean? That means that I'm confident in who God is. That means that I'm secure in knowing what happens when I pray. It means that I'm not praying over you while I'm doubting at the same time. It means I'm not praying, God, please, I hope so, please, God, I don't really believe it, but Lord, Jeremy's come to me again. He's sick again. Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't really believe that you can't. Please, God, please, Lord, I'm begging you, please. Instead of, God, I come into agreement right now in Jesus' name. I stand against this spirit of infirmity. Lord, I know that you died and your stripes bring healing. I know what your word says, so I'm reasoning in agreement with you. God, I thank you that you love him, you care for him, and you're merciful. And so, God, I just speak supernatural life and power into Jeremy right now. I thank you so much, Lord, for touching his body, touching his mind, touching his heart. Strength. I believe, God, pour out your spirit, Lord. Catch my prayer and send it back. See, there's this thing in Isaiah 55 that says that when you pray, God's word doesn't return void. So when you pray his word, he sends it back. Let's say I have this picture of my prayers being sealed in a little postcard envelope, stamped, signed, sealed with an address to the throne room. And when I send my prayer up, he catches it, he hears it. And then when I pray in agreement with it, he sends it back and the earth shakes, lightnings and thunder, Psalm 19. Read what happens when God, uh, uh, Revelation 5 and 8, Grow in the word and understanding this mindset that God catches your, your prayers like incense, your prayers and incense. So God, I'm sending up prayer right now. I'm sending it up for you. I'm sending it up for you. I'm believing God because we understand that what was the scripture I've been teaching? Uh, Hebrews 7, 25, which talks about how Jesus, I hope that's it, how Jesus makes intercession and is able to save to the uttermost. He can save the worst, the most difficult, the furthest, the farthest, the hardest. He's always living to make intercession. So imagine when your prayers go up as incense and they get caught together with his prayers, they go before the throne. God says, yes, dumps the bowl over on top of your head and here he comes with vengeance to rescue you. And now your heart shakes, the earth shakes and he moves heaven and hell out of the way to save your life. Don't you think for a second that God can't do it? 
But we don't pray confidently like that. The, devil, we got, the devil's got us praying sheepish, little dumbed down, weak. There's no fervency. There's no power. There's no security. There's no confidence. And it doesn't mean God can't hear the desperate cries for mercy, the crisis Christian prayers. Man, I've prayed them a thousand times. Please, God, save me. Rescue me, God. Lord, rescue me out of this. I bombed it. I blew it. I failed miserably. And God says, here I come. And I rescue you out every time. Every... And finally, I said to the Lord the other day, I think it's Psalm 104, Psalm 107. It talks about how Israel repeatedly bombed it and then they'd cry out and he'd save him. I said, God, I'm that guy. He says, yes, you are. And I'm saving you every time. But stop being that guy. <laughs> Woo, we're getting fired up now. So notice it says that the, the, it will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven because forgiveness is the golden key to healing, salvation, and restoration. You get forgiveness to forgive others. Or because I've been forgiven, now I can forgive. And I'm gonna tell you there's healing and forgiveness. If you have any bitterness or anger towards anyone, you must release them and forgive them. God died on the cross for you to forgive you, and he's forgiven you, so now you can forgive others. Don't hang on to bitterness and unforgiveness. It will make you sick and kill you, right? There's something powerful about confession very powerful about confession. But it's through our prayers for the lost and the sick that the Lord can raise them up. He is able to save the uttermost. So we stand in the gap and we pray for those that don't know him. Verse 16, I'm just gonna go ahead and read verse, verses 16 through 18. Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit, effectually, so, and it produced fruit. So Elijah was a man like us, but many of you, you haven't read the story of Elijah. I encourage you to read, you read the story of Elijah. So Elijah literally called down fire from heaven and had supernatural access. And as soon as Jezebel was on his heels after Mount Carmel, he basically said, just kill me, Lord, take me home now. Suicide, depression, fear. So he had to work through all the same issues that so many of us had to work through. And I love how it says Elijah was a man just like us because it doesn't distinguish. It doesn't put us in this place. Well, he's the man of God. He has better access than I do. No, we can all have the same access. I've just cultivated it and have more of an understanding, but I just need to get you to have that same, to understand the access that you have. It's already there. You already have access. So I'm not the elite mighty man of God. Take me off your pedestal. Okay, run to the great high priest. I'm just here to make offerings and sacrifices and teach you what God's saying, but to get you to go straight and directly to him. And so this is a powerful understanding that Elijah had a nature just like ours. And I said, okay, Lord, well, I wanna have the fire just like he had. Even in my hardship, Elijah's like, I'm the only one. I'm all alone. No one understands. Pity party. Me, 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 me. Woe is me. There's no one else left. I'm the only guy left. And what did God say? He's like, little do you know. I have 7,000 prophets reserved that have never bowed their knee to false idol worship, 7,000, and you didn't even know about it. See, God knows the whole picture. And when we think we're no one understands and we're all alone, you're not. You're never, you're never the only one going through it. 
And so if Elijah can do it, so can we. Now, the context of verse 16, confess your, notice how in this scripture, let's pull 16 back up. I want you to notice in the context of this scripture, there's two dynamics. Confess your sins to one another, or your trespass, I'm sorry, your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me tell you what's powerful about this. There's a lot to this confession dynamic. The confession component is trespasses. I did you wrong. I haven't treated you right. I'm sorry for what I said. I shouldn't have acted that way because perfect love has no fear in it. And perfect love is transparent. When I come to you with perfect love in honest, open confession, God pours out his spirit upon us as we pray. And now I can pray more effectively for you because I'm not hiding and you're not hiding. This church needs a baptism of honesty. Kevin reminded me of that yesterday. Because if we don't get honest with one another, if that's, this is the thing about confession. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I did. After I had a, a, a revelation of perfect love in 2020, I confessed stuff for nine weeks to this church. It's like we stopped hiding. There's no more hiding. There's no more fear. There's no more worry. Now there's honesty and transparency. And now I pray differently. So we confess our our trespasses to one another. We never walk in bitterness or unforgiveness ever. I suggest everyone ask the Lord, Lord, is there anybody that I need to forgive in my life? But then it says, pray for one another, confess and pray so that we would be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what's the most important part of that scripture? Not the effective fervency. It's not even the availeth much. It's the righteous man because I know who I am. I'm not righteous just because of what I do. I'm righteous because of who he is and because of what he did. Now I'm made the righteousness of God through Christ. And because of that, it causes me to live differently. And the minute I think that I'm righteous because of something I do is the minute I forget what he did. It's never about what you do. It's about what he did. And then because of what he did, it causes you to do and live differently. And so because I know who I am and I know where my prayers go and I know that I'm confident, I pray differently. You understand that prayer that I just prayed for him? I'm using Jeremy as an example. He, he's used to that. But now my prayers aren't like passive. They are fervent. They're effective. And they're gonna, I know they're going to avail much. I don't know when. I don't know why it doesn't always happen in the time that I think it should happen. But it'll happen. And you know what? You may pray for 1,000 people and it's finally that 1,001 person. But you don't stop. I prayed for people with cancer all the way to the grave and we prayed and believed all the way till their death and now they were healed in heaven with the Lord. I don't always understand it, but I'm gonna surefire pray with fervency all the way to the end. And so it's because of the righteous man, it's because of your position. You pray with authority and power because of the position that you're in. Know who you are, beloved. Don't let the devil rob you anymore. Stop being little tiny weak sheeps. You, are, you got a lion inside of you. The righteous are bold as a lion. And it affects my prayer life because I know I'm made righteous because of the cross, not because of my good works, but because of what he did. And I also, and it's in the context of look at Elijah's life. He was weak, he was frail, he struggled. He went, had some ups and downs, but he was able to call fire down from heaven and demonstrate who the real God was through his prayers and his sacrifices. So we have to have a culture of honesty and transparency with one another. 
Now that doesn't mean I'm going to set up a little confessional booth and you're going to come confess your sins to me. This word here is trespasses. If I've trespassed against you, please forgive me. It's never been my heart. I don't ever want to do anybody wrong. I don't ever want to speak ill of somebody. And sometimes I'm not perfect in it, but I want to be, I want to bridle my tongue. And husbands and wives, you need a baptism in perfect love so you understand all the areas you're hiding and shame and fear and worry and get all that out and stop hiding so that you can confess to your spouse your struggles and have open, honest transparency and then watch God heal your marriage. You want your marriage healed? Start being walking in perfect love and be transparent. You want to see the power of God in this church? Let's stop being divided over little things and start being honest with one another. It's like, hey, I should have never posted that on Facebook. I should have never said that about, you know what? I've been thinking something about you I never should have thought. And I want to tell you that I'm sorry. Now, I'm not thinking anything about any of y'all. Yeah, don't, don't worry. You know, you think people think stuff about you that most of the time they don't think, and maybe sometimes you're even right, but you need to forgive them because they know not what they do. But if you're thinking stuff and saying stuff and acting in a certain way that's contrary, and you're, you're literally trespassing, trespassing means you've crossed the boundary that God has put in place in that person's life. Stop it. If you're sleeping together with someone, stop it. You're trespassing. And you ought to have to understand confession always, I won't say always because there's times that it doesn't. Like the layman uh, brought through the roof was forgiven of his sins and he didn't say anything. Their friends and their faith brought healing to his life. But in general, the normal rule of thumb is confession comes before healing. Woo, I saw God, God has done miraculous things in my marriage because I just humbled myself and confessed. I have been a crappy husband. I don't know how to love you properly. I haven't covered you properly. I haven't been a good spiritual leader in my home. I've been selfish. Repent, beloved. Confess it. You want healing and power in your home and your marriage and in this church? You want to pray differently? Get, don't give the devil any place in your life to accuse. It does, he can bring accusation, but they don't stand anything in my life. I've already repented of that. You say, man, my, my wife keeps bringing up my past. Well, confess it and repent and be done with it. If she keeps bringing it up, that's her issue, not yours. You just love even better. You just got to do what God tells you to do. And now I've done my part. Now I love you and I've already confessed that to you. You got to get some healing in your life, woman. No, I never would say that. I would, my head would be cut off. I would lose my life. It was just funny funny in that moment, but I didn't mean it. I think she might be watching online, so whew. oh my gosh. <laughs> you say it all the time? Oh, that's why you're not married. <laughs> Mark my words, bro. <laughs> all right, now we're going <laughs> to... So are you guys learning? Look, I'm, I'm not here to preach the latest, greatest, best, most hippest, hottest. I'm here to teach you because I care about you. Apply these things to your life. Get God's word. Buy those books. Get into the Psalms. Pray God's word back. Make it first person, right? Put your name in there. Say me, my, us, we. Put your name in the word. 
Pray God's word back. Spend time in it. Meditate in it. Take your time. Don't just read the Bible like you would a fictional novel. Meditate on the word. Pray it back. Sit long. Start to commune and talk to him. Your language will change. Your prayers will change. Your confessional will change. It's like you take it to God. He says, oh, now I'm telling you, you got to go confess that to your spouse or your friend or somebody. Man, God has brought more stuff into my life through intimate prayer that I've needed to go confess to someone else because I know I can do better. I know I can be better. And so I say, man, you know what? I said to my buddy David, I said, I'm sorry I haven't been a good friend for you. He pulled me aside and says, you've been amazing. What are you talking about? Stop. They said, no, no, no. I know that I haven't been the friend that I can be and should be. And I'm sorry. And I know the reasons why. And I don't want to be that way anymore. Do you know how much healing God brings in that? All right. So we're going to call for the elders and the ministry team now to pray for you. If you're sick and suffering, going through hardship, come. Learn to commune with the Lord. Dedicate your time. Shut the phone off. Shut the flesh down. The distractions are everywhere. I get it. Distractions are everywhere. When I get up in the morning, it, I go right to the Word. Stop checking Twitter and Facebook and all those other things. At night, the Word. Get the Dwell app. Listen to the Word before bed. Meditate on God's truths. Only listen to worship. Only listen to God's Word. That, be that radical. Why not? Nothing else leads to any life. Trust me. Be radical. Be on fire. Okay? All right. Prayer partners, elders, come on up. Let's all stand. And if you would like somebody to pray for you, just make your way up right now. If, you, if you're sick, if you know somebody that's sick, if you need help in your prayer life, if you need help in, if you need to confess some stuff, just come and confess it. All right? Don't, don't walk out of here carrying any bitterness or forg unforgiveness today. Okay? Don't walk out with that stuff today. All right? So, so if you want somebody to pray for you, just come on up. We're going to move this stage back, and then you guys come up and let somebody pray for you, and I'm going to pray over you, all right? All right, Jesus, thank you so much for your love and your life and your power. Thank you, God, for your freedom, your health. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching this church how to pray. Thank you for tearing down the walls of division. Lord, help us to not trespass and where we have to forgive one another and confess that. Lord, I thank you so much that this church is unified together as one through prayer. And I thank you so much, Lord, for teaching us how to pray. Thank you, God, that the prayer of the faith will save the sick. Raise up a lot of strong people who can bear the burdens of those who are weak. Hear us in our prayer time today. And as they pray, show yourself strong and mighty. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.